This is the show for those who want to live strong in business, life, and family. Welcome to the Warrior Her Podcast. My name is Jen Aguilar, and I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area in a relatively known city now called Arlington, Virginia. Um, And essentially, my parents immigrated here from El Salvador shortly after I was born. And so I've essentially all I've known is the very work, uh, work hard life. That's that's the example my parents have always set for me. I grew up essentially going to work with them. My parents were janitors when I was growing up and they also worked in restaurants, cleaning the restaurants. And so um, whenever they needed to go to work often, my parents were just the type of people that didn't trust babysitters all the time. So I would always go to work with them. And then my eventually they had my younger brother and I was always home with him, taking care of him, or we would be at work with my parents. That was essentially my my childhood. So I had to grow up really quick, either taking care of my brother or going to work with my parents. Um, but that's not to take away from from the wonderful childhood I did have. My parents also were very loving and um, we would do a lot of picnics and, and they tried to give us the best life possible. But also they um, came to the United States as refugees. There was a war going on in El Salvador. And so they had to be very um, diligent about how they were making their money and sending it back to their family to support their family, but also trying to start a better life for themselves here. Um, And so it was a very loaded childhood. And, and so that's, that's, that's essentially how, how I was brought up. And, and eventually I graduated high school and I, I I decided at some point during high school that I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I went to college with the intentions of essentially studying political science doing the traditional route to becoming a lawyer. A lot of people study political science and then go straight to law school. That was always my plan. And things didn't essentially work out that way because um, along the way, a lot of things happen and, and, and I ended up as a business owner. And today I, I um, am a small business owner and an entrepreneur. I own two small businesses. The first one being Gen Contracting a small home remodeling and construction business based here in the DC area. And then also from decor.com, which is a online home accessories boutique where we sell art prints, pillows and mugs. And so that that's pretty much a, a summary of, of how I came up and how I ended up here. <laughs> and how long, so how long before opening your business, did you go to school? I went for four what was years. The time frame? I, I graduated uh, from DCU in Richmond with my political science degree. And then uh, the summer following graduation is when um, the business idea came to my head. Uh, whenever I was working at Depor, which is a agency in Virginia that issues permits and licenses to the contracting industry and small contractors here in Virginia. So to become a contractor, you often need a license, you need to study and pass a test. And so that's the 
agency that regulates the whole contracting business. I was working as an intern the summer directly after graduating and I was seeing a lot of data. I was, I was working with um, one of the directors who would give me projects uh, and she would ask me to research data um, on the contracting business in Virginia. And I was starting to see that there was a lot of opportunity for women-owned businesses, but not a lot of women-owned businesses based in the home remodeling industry in Virginia. And so that's kind of when I started learning about contracting and construction. And I knew a lot already just because I have a lot of family members that are in the construction business. But um, where I really started seeing those facts and that data and that inkling and that idea come into my head was that summer, where at the same time, my father, he was being threatened to be laid off. There was a new management company taking over at his job of 20 years. And they were starting to tell him, hey, you might be laid off in the fall. You should start looking for a new job. And for me, that was very alarming just because while my dad knows English, it's not the best. And I knew it would be hard for him to go on interviews. And I knew it would be hard for him to adjust to the possibility of finding a new job after being somewhere for 20 years. And so I started putting two and two together that summer where it was just like, dad, you're, you're about to lose your job. Uh, you know, a lot about construction, you have to do a lot of maintenance but when, where, um, during your daytime job. And so I think if you're, if you're willing, I'd be willing to you, I can build up the framework of the business. I have confidence in the fact that I can drum up business and business development. I'm a very consistent person. And, so let's do it. Like, it was a very naive, like, let's do it. I, I know I can do it. I've always had um, business aspirations, even though I wanted to be a lawyer, like I could date it back to when I was a teenager. I would make cases and sell them on Etsy. I would burn CDs back in the LimeWire days. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, LimeWire. Yeah. <laughs> I would burn CDs and hopefully my FBI agent assigned to me isn't listening to this, but I would sell them to my friends. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I um, used to do a lot of that stuff growing up. I was very entrepreneurial. And so I, um, I was like, let's do it. And then he had to think about it a lot. He wasn't sure. Um, we both knew I never had any real business experience. So it was uh, one of those things where he was like, I don't know, like, I like the job security. I don't know how this is going to go if we do do this. And it just kind of took some convincing. I had to kind of pretty much lay out what I had all the research that I had been doing at this internship right I was like look like I'm I'm a woman I can learn about this I can really dive in and I can teach myself I can learn I can read all the books and I can take the content I, I took a no-nonsense approach I knew I had to learn a lot and so um, I just took that self-taught route and started to take any opportunity where I could learn where eventually a year later uh, in 2015, that summer, I was ready to take the test to become licensed in Virginia. And so my dad was basically without work during that time. My internship had ended. And so I was working as a paralegal to make ends meet um, while I was taking while I was doing the nighttime internship and doing these shadowing opportunities and kind of just self-teaching, reading books that whole year, essentially. Um, and so it took me about four times to pass the contracting exam in Virginia. I failed four, three times. And on the third time, I was, I was just, I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't think I'm going to pass this. Um, I really have a lot of information to learn still. 
And so I kind of took, um, I think it was five months. Like I took the test in, I think it was May of 2015. And then oh, it was three months. And then August, I finally passed. Um, and also you have to show technical efficiency that you have been working under different contractors. So I had been shadowing that whole time. And I was able to get those contractors to vouch for me that I had learned enough to run a business and that I had um, my dad who actually knew how to do the work. Um, so there was a lot to prove during that summer. And, and they finally issued the license to me after I proved that I had been doing the work essentially. Um, and so that's how, that's how gen contracting came to be. August, 2015, I got immediately registered my company and started essentially looking for work. I, I would cold call anyone I could, I would go online, make a list of general contractors, which are um, essentially the, the, the employing contractor. So in the contracting business, the general contractors and you have subcontractors. I knew we would have to start as a subcontractor so that we can learn from general contractors. My dad would go and do the job. I would drum up business and we had to, we had to learn from there. We kind of had to go from, from scratch. We would take small jobs, just building cabinets, like building Ikea cabinets for people. There was contractors who didn't have the time to do that. They were worried about the whole project, you know? And so we would just come on to build the cabinets for them. And then it, it grew from there. Once we learned how to do cabinets, we would learn from the con the general contractors that were working around us in the space. Um, and then we started getting more commercial jobs like office build outs. The more we started getting to know these bigger contractors in the area and working with them. And so it took maybe two years to finally land a job that was just all ours. We were now the general contractor. Um, but essentially it was just a very started from the bottom situation. And so if we go back a little bit just to the apprenticeship, you were just, you took the steps to just calling these places and, and offer that you wanted to do that? The apprenticeship for, for the shadowing. Yes. I would just compile a list of contractors and I would make sure that they had good reviews because I wanted to make sure I was learning from people that, you know, were reputable, reputable, reputable. Um, and so for the shadowing opportunity, it's just a cold calling situation. And there would be a lot of people that are receptive. You'd be surprised in just any industry. Because I found that when I was also looking to be a lawyer, like I would have a lot of, I would always look out for opportunities where I could learn more just because a lot of learning opportunities are available to people of, you know, a different economic background than me. Um, we never had a lot of money. And so I could never afford to, to do a lot of paid opportunities when it came to learning. Uh, so when I wanted to be a lawyer, I, I needed to take the LSAT and all this stuff. But when I abandoned that idea, I knew that for contracting opportunities, I also probably needed to go to school, but I knew that was a long route. And that's what I thought initially, but really self-teaching is also a very long route. Um, and so the shouting opportunities were very um, sh just cold calling on the spot. The apprenticeship, I actually was just looking online for learning opportunities for contractors who are just starting out. And then that um, Clark construction link came up. They actually do a apprenticeship every year in, in, in a lot of different cities throughout the country uh, to teach minority owned aspiring businesses how to conduct a contracting business essentially, because they want to essentially have 
great caliber contractors that they're teaching how to do business with them so that they're not just working with people that don't really know how they do business and how the construction industry is properly run. And so they like to essentially teach a lot of minorities to build their businesses correctly, to give them opportunities. And I saw that and I applied with them. They, they really didn't require any experience. A lot of the time mentor there that I had would tell me that, you know, a lot of experienced contractors have a hard time adapting to um, learning the correct ways to do business, especially if they kind of started as, as workers in the field and then they grew to eventually have their own business. They're very set in their ways. And so she was like, I actually love teaching young um, people how to do business in this, in this industry. And so I don't really need you to have a lot of experience. I just need you to be willing to learn. And so whenever I had those interviews with them to be accepted into their apprenticeship, uh, it was very um, encouraging that she said that. And, and I was more willing to take the leap because I had a woman kind of encouraging me. She, she, she was very well-respected at Clark Construction, a huge company. So I, if this woman is telling me this and I have more uh, confidence in myself to go through with this, I told myself. And so that's, that's how that opportunity came about. That's, that's available to anyone too who, if it's in your city, you're able to look into this um, Clark Construction Apprenticeship Program for minority-owned businesses and um, have conversations with the admissions people to be accepted into the program. It's a free program as well. And was this a like a full-time no. type of thing, or was it just a couple days a week? Yeah, it was two days a week in the evenings for a year. Wow, so very attainable, yeah. too, so it's not something if you need it you know if you have to work you right. know something that you can still yeah do. that's great yeah they're hoping that you essentially learn uh during those nighttime courses and you go apply it in your daytime endeavors essentially and did you have support from from your friends and family during this time uh it was i the way i it was just a very isolated time for me essentially i was just very laser focused on making this business work I felt like we had no other option we had to start getting more jobs like we were doing small jobs and it was able to support my dad but I was still working as a paralegal and it was hard to manage everything part-time doing this nighttime um, apprenticeship doing shadowings whenever I could Shad that was usually during the weekend because I was working full-time as a paralegal and so it was very it was a very isolating time, but I had my fiance who was a, a lot, very my support system. I didn't have a social life during that time, but my, my family and, and my fiance were very supportive during that time, I can say, but it was just one of those times where I had to focus. I didn't, I, I made no time for a social life. And looking back, I would have loved to have had a better balance. I just think now, I guess hindsight is 2020, right? The older you get, the, the more you kind of value different things. And so, as a business owner now and everything I have learned, I, I realize how important it is to have the support. Because I, if I think about Jen back in, in 2015, 2014, I was just a stressed out Jen, wanting to learn everything. Is this going to work? I have to work out. I was very laser focused. And so, um, yeah, hindsight is 2020. I think I would, I would have liked to have um, kind of cultivated a better support system and allowed people to support me better during that time because there was no lack. I, I, I have always had great friends who want to support, but... I've learned how to make better time and better balance now. But I think that's important too, that you, you know, the growth part yeah. that that's growth that you're saying, okay, I, I made some 
mistakes along the way by just not necessarily prioritizing my own personal life because it is important. But it was also necessary probably at that time to get you where you need right. to be. Right. And and those are honest conversations that I've learned to have now because a lot of my um, network of friends is um, the same network of friends I had when I was in high school. You know, we've, we've been a very close group in that way. And during that time, I didn't allow them to be close to that. Like, like you said, I wasn't prioritizing my social life. And, and even now I have those conversations. There was a time when I was just, I realized, I was like, you know, I'm starting to get a lot of traction in this business and I'm sharing it with my mom and dad and, and my fiance, but I would love to be sharing it with my friends who I love and, and have always been there for me since I was essentially in middle school, you know, um, we're a very tight group of friends. And so I was just like, I miss them and I love them. And and so whenever I, I realized that there was a time where I invited them to my birthday and I was like, you know, I don't know if you guys are going to show up. I haven't been in touch and, And, um, you know, I deeply regret that, but I definitely don't want to start like we're growing older at this point. I, I, a lot of us were like, I got engaged. And so I started realizing, you know, I want to have my friends for these big moments. What am I doing here? And I invited them over and I was just very honest. Um, and I was like, you know, I haven't made you guys a priority and I apologize for that, but I do want to, I do want to be better. And I want to have you guys in my life for these big moments. And hopefully you guys um, are receptive to that and they were luckily like during that that um, I had a slumber party for I think it was my 23rd birthday and and they and they came like all of them came to my house and we hadn't talked in like maybe a year and yet everybody was so sweet and receptive and and it's just one of those things that really um, makes you realize the support system you had all along they were just like you know we've been following you always post your stories and what you're doing and and you know we're always so excited for you and and you know we're here for you if you need us so please don't feel the need to kind of isolate yourself so um and even now we still have like I I got married in the fall and I had like a, a bridal shower and it was a very sweet moment where they all share like we went in a circle with all my close friends and family and a lot of my friends shared that, like, you know, one of the the happiest memories with me are, are when, um, you know, I, I was able to be vulnerable with them during that slumber party. And, and they're so grateful that I was because now we're able to show, share all these moments. So it's been, it's been a journey. That's yeah. great. So you had also mentioned a general contracting and subcontracting can you explain a little more the difference between the two of those for people who are listening who aren't familiar sure. so general contracting a general contractor essentially handles um, a project as a whole so uh, they will delegate so uh, subcontractors usually specialize in certain trades so there's going to be drywall subcontractors electrical subcontractors mechanical subcontractors so the big companies such as that Clark Construction that I mentioned, which is a huge company, they often employ electricians and they employ um, plumbers and carpenters. And so those people are on staff, but they often need a lot of help with. Um, so those people that they hire are only going to be able to oversee each floor of an office build out or a home remodel they're only going to be able to oversee, but they need more help. They need people who specialize this in this every day. And so that's where your subcontractors come in. Um, They'll do a bid process where they 
put out information about a project and then subcontractors will find this online or when you have a, a close network and as a small contractor, you network with a lot of these big companies to develop more business with them. They'll call you and say, hey, I have a job. Um, I'm taking bids. Please submit your bid by a certain date. So subcontractors will submit based on their specialty. You'll, you'll denote on your application in that bid that you specialize in drywall or you can handle the drywall and the mechanical and the electrical because you have those people on staff. And so essentially the best bid wins. So the, the person with the most experience and, and the, be- the best relationship with the, with the general contractor um, and that is giving the fairest price wins. Um, and so that's generally how the contracting business works. There's a general contractor who lands a job and um, often they'll look for help through subcontractors that specialize in the various different uh, trades that need to get done for that particular job. And are the general contractors the ones who are responsible to be licensed and insured, or is that both parties? Both parties, because essentially uh, you can't work as an electrician or a plumber without being licensed. And so both parties need to be licensed usually, and especially like even a drywall contractor should have. um, So a general contractor will usually have a class A contracting license and as a subcontractor, um, which are usually smaller companies. Uh, often, I, I, in my experience here in Virginia, it could be different in different states. Um, the subcontractors will have something called a Class C or Class B license. And then, is that in, is that part of what the bid is? Is getting their kind of the administrative part, and then how much it's going usually to be? the the license you have for a duration of three years. So generally a lot of these subcontractors will, will already have licenses. They work with a lot of different general contractors throughout the year. Um, and so the bid process is, is essentially uh, obtaining the information from general contractors. So you're going to get plans, you're going to get specifications, and you're going to read these to understand the job and what needs to be done. When you understand the job and what needs to be done, you as a subcontractor decide this is what I can do for this so I can do drywall, I can do electricity. Uh, and so then you'll essentially write a proposal. You'll write a propose, proposal, you'll fill out the application for the general contractor, um, which basically just tells them about your company, how long you've been in business, the name of your company, the, your licenses, your insurance information, so that they can verify, hey, this is a legitimate company. Secondly, the proposal, which pretty much uh, outlines what you're offering to do. So I'm going to do drywall. This is what's included in my bid. I can provide the dumpster. I won't provide the dumpster. Essentially, you list your inclusions and your exclusions of your offer in the bid. Um, And then you submit that and they consider which um, package is the best, which they have the most faith in and um, the contractor that they think will get the job done at the not only the the budget they need it done in, but also the time frame they need it done in. So these are all information that you include in your bid, essentially. And construction is a predominantly male industry. So what was it like for you to start a company being a woman? Yeah, well, I mean, it was hard at first. There was times, especially when we wanted to make that jump from subcontractor to general contractor two years in, where um, especially a lot of a lot of these big contracting companies I would essentially send them an email and say hey like 
I'm the owner of Gen Contracting. We've been working as a subcontractor for two years, and this is the resume of work that we have under our belt. We're looking to become um, acquainted with you and get more businesses, more business with you. Can I take a meeting? Can can I come and tell you more about my business? And so, a lot of people would say, yeah. A lot of um, the general contractors would invite me to come. Um, they're always looking for licensed, insured, and experienced contractors. So if you have two years of experience, that's a lot better than someone who isn't licensed doing work and and not being accountable for it because they don't have um, the criteria of having to keep their license or maintain their insurance. Um, and so when you can provide that to a general contractor, they're, they're often going to be willing to take meetings with you. And so I would get a lot of people saying yes to, to these um, emails I was sending and I would go to their offices and a lot of the times I would walk in and, and they would be like oh, okay so when 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 is when is the owner coming like are you the assistant <laughs> and I was just like no I'm I'm the business owner uh, I might look young but believe me when we start talking you'll know that I know the project and so I had to overcome a lot of moments like that um, at the beginning when we were trying to drum up business with general contractors um, in order to learn more and, and make the jump to be a general contractor ourselves. But I also will say that when you are able to meet a woman who owns a construction business, it's rare, but during the, um, the apprenticeship I was doing with Clark, I met a woman named Lisa. She owns a huge general contracting company here in DC and women are very willing to take you under their wing and kind of teach you the ways and, Lisa is just one of those people who have been a blessing. She's sort of been a mentor during my whole journey. And she's been very willing to, to tell me, this is what you should do. This is what you should avoid at the beginning, which these tips have really helped me along the way and allowed me to be successful. So it does really take um, a tribe and a support system. And that's why now as, as I gain more experience, I always like to reach out to women and, and be a source of information for them and a resource just has how, how Lisa has been to me essentially. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about like the actual business side of it. So what does it mean to be an online home decor boutique, as you mentioned earlier? So you have two businesses. Yes. Uh, the online home decor boutique is essentially my passion project is we're a year and a half uh, old and and that's still something that I try to get off the ground and I'm working at and it's something that I'm learning that's just a whole new industry the e-commerce world but essentially I've always been a very creative person as I told you before there was a time where I was making phone cases they were like blinged out phone cases that I would sell on Etsy and so I've always had this creative side of me that uh, I feel like allows me to relax when I when I'm working on projects that are uh, creative based I, I feel like that's an outlet for me and so that's how from decor started I started making mugs um, that had inspirational sayings or quotes on them and then that moved into making pillows that had inspirational quotes and sayings on them and then that turned into also adding wall art and so this is all something that um, I was doing on the side of gen contracting to kind of ease my mind of the stresses of um what gen contracting was becoming and, and learning everything and kind of uh, that startup phase was very stressful. So I felt like I needed an outlet. I was making these um, items and then I started selling them. And so that's kind of how Femme Decor was 
born and now I just uh, it's 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 a passion product of mine I love it I would love for it to become a bigger business I will have to hire help if it does but for now it's just me and then for your contracting services how do you determine pricing it is very specific to the project so uh, in my business we have always specialized in um, commercial that has been our bread and butter commercial office build out that's doing drywall and acoustical ceiling, which is that grid ceiling that you'll sometimes see in offices. Um, and so that's, how, that's, that's been our bread and butter from the beginning. And as we grew and started learning more, we decided that, okay, we have a lot of experience three years into um, having done hundreds of projects in the office build-out space, we decided that we could start servicing home owners and doing home remodels essentially and so three years in we started doing home remodels um but now during the corona times we really have wanted to pivot and keep our employees safe so we've been pursuing a lot of paint outs of office and apartments that are vacant and so that's kind of a new division that we have that's kind of blossomed during these times wait can you say that oh i lost you yeah i can say it again where 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 would you like me to start I, the last thing I heard was during Corona. Yeah. During, as of when COVID started, we had to essentially pivot because we wanted to keep our employees safe. And we also wanted to keep homeowners safe. And a lot of homeowners had to kind of put a pause on our projects because they didn't want people in the house. And we also didn't want to expose our team. And so to keep everyone safe, we pivoted into uh, painting offices and apartments uh, to keep our employees safe, essentially. And so we're doing a lot of painting of vacant units right now. So, uh, you know, any apartment building, when people move out, uh, there's a service that's needed and, and they need a contractor to come in and paint the apartment so that it's ready for t- turnover and for somebody else to move in. And so we've been doing a lot of that lately. That's been a new division that was born uh, during these hard times. And so while we focus on office build outs and home remodels we kind of have something new on the horizon which which is an opportunity for us but also it's it's something that we've done to keep our employees safe and can you give an average number of just a bathroom remodel and like the time frame that it might take so i've found that there's never really an average just because uh, to bring it back, um, everything is very specific. So for a small bathroom, it could be that somebody just wants general fixtures and and very basic finishes. And so when it's something like that, it'll be somewhere in the lower thousands. But if, if depending on fixtures and, and the price range of the fixtures, that's where the price range will go up. Um, and the difficulty of the project. So if, if a client wants tile versus just a drywall um, based bathroom, it'll be a different price. And so it, it's very contingent on the details that each homeowner wants. And as you know, we all have different tastes. And so every project is, di- is different. There's no one project that has been the same for there to be an average. And so that's why whenever um, a client wants to know pricing, we always have to come out, see and do a site visit and kind of discuss a project with them, know upfront what a lot of their finishes um, are going to be, or at least what they're thinking of doing. Um, and we provide an estimate. And so that estimate often changes. It can be less depending on 
what the client wants or it can be more. And do you ever work with investors as well? We do not. We have not worked with investors. Essentially, uh, when we started, I bootstrapped the, the business. So the licensing was a first cost and then starting the business incorporating was an, another um, expense. And so all those expenses at the beginning were maybe like $100 that I would take for my paycheck as a paralegal to start. And then as we went on, um, there was there there was a first big purchase I had to make that I had to pay $1,000 for tools that we needed for one of our first projects. And so I essentially took that out of my paycheck. And so everything was very bootstrapped. And then Luckily, as a contracting business, a lot of the times you don't need a lot of money to start up because if you're subcontracting, the general contractor is usually the one in charge of buying the major supplies for a project. So they're going to buy all the drywall that you're going to then install. They're going to buy the sealing materials that you're going to install. All you really essentially need are your tools. And so that's kind of the investment that I had to make. And as we brought in revenue from those first projects which I didn't take any pay from and my dad took minimal pay just to pay his rent um that's how kind of we grew by just saving and not spending any of that money not taking major payouts and so I didn't take a payout for the first entire year of business essentially so that I can put that money back into the business and and get more jobs and be able to afford more tools and what three pieces of advice could you give listeners on starting their own contracting business um the first one is definitely just don't give up you're gonna encounter a lot of obstacles like I said you know there's gonna be people that doubt you you might be called if you're a woman and and you're starting a business in a male-dominated field you might be called an assistant and that's that's definitely a very um for me it was just a very hard like psychological obstacle the, the the part of people doubting you and and having to prove them wrong and so that goes into like the second thing that I feel like I would like to say is that, you know, always be prepared. You know, you can have anyone's doubt if you're prepared and you've done your homework and you know your job and you've read the plans. Um, that's that's the surefire way to, to kind of prove them wrong. Um, and so that's kind of been also something that has motivated me, though, like being doubted. And, and, and once I was doubted, I really wanted to just prove everyone wrong. And, and then I, I was motivated by that. <laughs> And so I would say don't give up, always be prepared, and then um, just stay positive, honestly. Like, if you start getting into all the all the nitty-gritty and you really start focusing on, on the ups and downs of a business, because business is very much up and down. It's never just good and roses and butterflies, and you're always making money. There's going to be times where, especially in the beginning, there was times where we got a contract and we would make a few thousand dollars and I had to live off of that money and make sure that I budgeted it correctly for months because you didn't know when the next project was coming. And, and, and you don't, and during the time I remember also in 2017, 2018, the, the um, economists were saying, Oh, there's going to be soon. Like 2019, just wait for it. 2020, just wait for it. There's going to be a recession. And a lot of the times the, the, the industry that is hit first and, and hardest by a recession is construction. And so construction and development kind of comes to a halt during a recession. I, and, and so I was really scared about that at first. I was like, well, you know, we got we to gotta not waste these, these $2,000 that we just made today, Dad. Like, we have to make this last. And so 
that's very much one of those things that, you know, business will go through ups and downs and they'll kind of just keep positive, make sure that you you're taking care of your mental health because it's hard being a business owner. It's not as glorified as a lot of the times people make it. There's it's, it's, it's not, you have to, I feel like it's not a faint of heart. I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely agree. So tell listeners where they can find you on social media. Uh, well, if you want to keep up with my transformations for gen contracting, we're actually um, entering the first phase of opening here in Virginia. And we're going to start um, back up at our home remodels pretty soon and we're also uh, starting to gain a lot of traction I guess during this time as you know I mean I don't know I've been in my house and I've been just here quarantined seeing what I need to fix when things open up when I'm able to go to Home Depot and really take on a project I want to fix this I need to make my home my home more homey in case we go through another lockdown so I think a lot of um, the market is going through that here in Virginia especially we've been getting a lot of calls from homeowners that Hey, I want to, I want to build a deck. I want to transform my kitchen because I might be spending a lot of time here. So we're going to be getting a lot of projects soon and you can follow all those transformations at Gen Contracting on Instagram. Um, and then for Femme Decor, if you want to shop our, our, our new line, we have an HBIC line. HBIC is, is, is a, is a blog that I've started to share my entrepreneurial journey. And that's at HBIC guide on Instagram where you can follow my entrepreneurial journey entrepreneurial journey and I give tips and I kind of show a real um, BTS of, of, of gen contracting there and from the core. So essentially you can fo- follow me on Instagram and that's best, the best way to keep in touch with me essentially. www.hbacguide which is my blog and then uh, gencontracting.com for uh, my business and then femdecor.com for um, my online home decor boutique. Today's episode is sponsored by Wincon Investment Properties, a female-owned real estate company aimed at changing the way that we look at affordable housing, making design and customization available to all people with all budgets. If you're interested, check out more at RinconinvestmentProperties.com. I saw that and... I applied with them. They, they really didn't require any experience. A lot of the time mentor there that I had would tell me that, you know, a lot of experienced contractors have a hard time adapting to um, learning the correct ways to do business, especially if they kind of started as, as workers in the field and then they grew to eventually have their own business. They're very set in their ways. And so she was like, I actually love teaching young um people how to do business in this in this industry and so I don't really need you to have a lot of experience I just need you to be willing to learn and so whenever I had those interviews with them to be accepted into their apprenticeship uh, it was very um, encouraging that she said that and, and I was more willing to take the leap because I had a woman kind of encouraging me she 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 was very well respected at Clark Construction a huge company so I if this woman is telling me this and I have more uh, confidence in myself to go through with this I told myself and so that's that's how that opportunity came about that's that's available to anyone too who if it's in your city you're able to look into this um, Clark Construction Apprenticeship Program for minority owned businesses and um, have conversations with the admissions people to be accepted into the program it's a free program as well and was this a like a full-time no 
type of thing or was it just a couple days a week? Yeah, it was two days a week in the evenings for a year. Wow, so very attainable yeah. too. So it's not something if you need it, you know, if you have to work, you right. know, something that you can still yeah. do. That's great. Yeah, they're hoping that you essentially learn uh, during those nighttime courses and you go apply it in your daytime endeavors, essentially. And did you have support from from your friends and family during this time? Uh, it was I, the way I rem- it was just a very isolated time for me. Essentially, I was just very laser focused on making this business work. I felt like we had no other option. We had to start getting more jobs like we were doing small jobs and it was able to support my dad. But I was still working as a paralegal and it was hard to manage everything part time doing this nighttime um, apprenticeship, doing shadowings whenever I could. that was usually during the weekend because I was working full-time as a paralegal and so it was very it was a very isolating time but I had my fiance who was a a lot very my support system I didn't have a social life during that time but my my family and and my fiance were very supportive during that time I can say but it was just one of those times where I had to focus I I, I made no time for a social life and looking back I would have loved to have had a better balance I just think now I guess hindsight is 2020 right the older you get the the more you kind of value different things and so as a business owner now and everything I have learned I I realize how important it is to have the support because I if I think about Jen back in in 2015 2014 I was just a stressed out Jen wanting to learn everything is this going to work I have to work out I was very laser focused and so um yeah hindsight is 2020 I think I would I would have liked to have kind of cultivated a better support system and allowed people to support me better during that time because there was no lack I, I, I have always had great friends who want to support but I've learned how to make better time and better balance now but I think that's important too that you you know the growth part yeah. that that's growth that you're saying okay I, I made some mistakes along the way by just not necessarily priority prioritizing my own personal life because it is important, but it was also necessary probably at that time to get you where you need right. to be. Right. And, and those are honest conversations that I've learned to have now because a lot of my um, network of friends is um, the same network of friends I had when I was in high school. You know, we've, we've been a very close group in that way. And during that time, I didn't allow them to be close to that. Like, like you said, I wasn't prioritizing my social life and, and, even now I have those conversations. There was a time when I was just, I realized, I was like, you know, I'm starting to get a lot of traction in this business and I'm sharing it with my mom and dad and, and my fiance, but I would love to be sharing it with my friends who I love and, and have always been there for me since I was essentially in middle school, you know, um, we are a very tight group of friends. And so I was just like, I miss them and I love them. And, and so whenever I, I realized that there was a time where I invited them to my birthday and I was like, you know, I don't know if you guys are going to show up. I haven't been in touch. And, and um, you know, I deeply regret that, but I definitely don't want to start like we're growing older at this point. I, I, a lot of us were like, I got engaged. And so I started realizing, you know, I want to have my friends for these big moments. What am I doing here? And I invited them over and I was just very honest. Um, And I was like, you know, I haven't made you guys a priority and I apologize for that, but I do want to, I do want to be better and I, I want to have you guys in my life for these big moments. And hopefully you guys um, are receptive to that. And they were luckily like during that, that um, I had a slumber party for, I think it was my 23rd birthday. 
and and they and they came like all of them came to my house and we hadn't talked in like maybe a year and yet everybody was so sweet and receptive and and it's just one of those things that really um makes you realize the support system you had all along they were just like you know we've been following you, you always post your stories and what you're doing and and you know we're always so excited for you and and you know we're here for you if you need us so please don't feel the need to kind of isolate yourself so um and even now we still have like I I got married in the fall and I had like a, a bridal shower and it was a very sweet moment where they all shared like we went in a circle with all my close friends and family and a lot of my friends shared that like you know one of the the happiest memories with me are, are when um you know I I was able to be vulnerable with them during that slumber party and and they're so grateful that I was because now we're able to show, share all these moments so it's been, it's been a journey that's yeah. great so you had also mentioned a general contracting and subcontracting can you explain a little more the difference between the two of those for people who are listening who aren't familiar sure. so general contracting a general contractor essentially handles um, a project as a whole so uh, they will delegate so a uh, subcontractors usually specialize in certain trades so there's going to be drywall subcontractors electrical subcontractors mechanical subcontractors so the big companies such as that Clark Construction that I mentioned which is a huge company they often employ electricians and they employ um, plumbers and carpenters and so those people are on staff but they often need a lot of help with um so those people that they hire are only going to be able to oversee each floor of an office build-out or a home remodel. They're only going to be able to oversee, but they need more help. They need people who specialize this in this every day. And so that's where your subcontractors come in. Um, they'll do a bid process where they put out information about a project and then subcontractors will find this online or when you have a, a close network and as a small contractor, you network with a lot of these big companies to develop more business with them they'll call you and say hey I have a job um, I'm taking bids please submit your bid by a certain date so subcontractors will submit based on their specialty you'll you'll denote on your application in that bid that you specialize in drywall or you can handle the drywall and the mechanical and the electrical because you have those people on staff and so essentially the best bid wins. So the, the person with the most experience and, and the, be the best relationship with the, with the general contractor um, and that is giving the fairest price wins. Um, and so that's generally how the contracting business works. There's a general contractor who lands a job and um, often they'll look for help through subcontractors that specialize in the various different uh, trades that need to get done for that particular job. And are the general contractors the ones who are responsible to be licensed and insured, or is that both parties? Both parties, because essentially uh, you can't work as an electrician or a plumber without being licensed. And so both parties need to be licensed usually, and especially like even a drywall contractor should have. Um, so a general contractor will usually have a class A contracting license and a, as a subcontractor, um, which are usually smaller companies. Uh, often, I, I, in my experience here in Virginia, it could be different in different states. Um, 
the subcontractors will have something called a class C or class B license. And then is that, is that part of what the bid is, is getting their kind of the administrative part and then how much it's going to be? Usually the license you have for a duration of three years. So Generally, a lot of these subcontractors will, will already have licenses. They work with a lot of different general contractors throughout the year. Um, and so the bid process is, is essentially uh, obtaining the information from general contractors. So you're going to get plans, you're going to get specifications, and you're going to read these to understand the job and what needs to be done. When you understand the job and what needs to be done, you as a subcontractor decide, this is what I can do for this. So I can do drywall, I can do electricity. Uh, and so then you'll essentially write a proposal. You'll write a propose, proposal, you'll fill out the application for the general contractor, um, which basically just tells them about your company, how long you've been in business, the name of your company, the, your licenses, your insurance information, so that they can verify, hey, this is a legitimate company. Secondly, the proposal, which pretty much uh, outlines what you're offering to do. So I'm going to do drywall. This is what's included in my bid. I can provide the dumpster. I won't provide the dumpster. Essentially, you list your inclusions and your exclusions of your offer in the bid. Um, And then you submit that and they consider which um, package is the best, which they have the most faith in and um, the contractor that they think will get the job done at the not only the, the budget they need it done in, but also the time frame they need it done in. So these are all information that you include in your bid, essentially. And construction is a predominantly male industry. So what was it like for you to start a company being a woman? Yeah, well, I mean, it was hard at first. There was times, especially when we wanted to make that jump from subcontractor to general contractor two years in, where um, especially at a lot of, a lot of these big contracting companies I would essentially send them an email and say hey like I'm the owner of gen contracting we've been working as a subcontractor for two years and this is the resume of work that we have under our belt we're looking to become um, acquainted with you and get more businesses more business with you can I take a meeting can can I come and tell you more about my business and so a lot of people would say yeah a lot of um the general contractors would invite me to come. Um, They're always looking for licensed, insured, and experienced contractors. So if you have two years of experience, that's a lot better than someone who isn't licensed doing work and and not being accountable for it because they don't have um, the criteria of having to keep their license or maintain their insurance. Um, And so when you can provide that to a general contractor, they're they're often going to be willing to take meetings with you. And so I would get a lot of people saying yes to, to these um, emails I was sending and I would go to their offices and a lot of the times I would walk in and, and they would be like, oh, okay, so when, 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 is, when is the owner coming? Like, are you the assistant? <laughs> and I was just like, no, I'm, I'm the business owner. Uh, I might look young, but believe me, when we start talking, you'll know that I know the project. And so I had to overcome a lot of moments like that. Um, at the beginning when we were trying to drum up business with general contractors um, in order to learn more and, and make the jump to be a general contractor ourselves. But I also will say that when you are able to meet a woman who owns a construction business, it's rare, but during the, um, the apprenticeship I was doing with Clark, I met a woman named Lisa. She owns a huge general contracting company here in D.C., 
and women are very willing to take you under their wing and kind of teach you the ways and Lisa is just one of those people who have been a blessing she's sort of been a mentor during my whole journey and she's been very willing to to tell me this is what you should do this is what you should avoid at the beginning which these tips have really helped me along the way and allowed me to be successful so it does really take um a tribe and a support system and that's why now as as I gain more experience, I always like to reach out to women and, and be a source of information for them and a resource. Just has how, how Lisa has been to me, essentially. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about like the actual business side of it. So what does it mean to be an online home decor boutique, as you mentioned earlier? So you have two businesses. Yes. Uh, the online home decor boutique is essentially my passion project is we're a year and a half uh, old and, and that's still something that I try to get off the ground and I'm working at and it's something that I'm learning. That's just a whole new industry, the e-commerce world. But essentially, I've always been a very creative person. As I told you before, there was a time where I was making phone cases. They were like blinged out phone cases that I would sell on Etsy. And so I've always had this creative side of me that uh, I feel like allows me to relax when, I, when I'm working on projects that are uh, creative based I, I feel like that's an outlet for me and so that's how from decor started I started making mugs um, that had inspirational sayings or quotes on them and then that moved into making pillows that had inspirational quotes and sayings on them and then that turned into also adding wall art and so this is all something that um, I was doing on the side of gen contracting to kind of ease my mind of the stresses of um what gen contracting was becoming and, and learning everything and kind of uh, that startup phase was very stressful. So I felt like I needed an outlet. I was making these um, items and then I started selling them. And so that's kind of how Femme Decor was born. And now I just, uh, it's, it's, it's a passion product of mine. I love it. I would love for it to become a bigger business. I will have to hire help if it does, but for now it's just me. And then for your contracting services, how do you determine pricing? It is very specific to the project. So uh, in my business, we have always specialized in um, commercial. That has been our bread and butter, commercial office build-out. That's doing drywall and acoustical ceiling, which is that grid ceiling that you'll sometimes see in offices. Um, and so that's, how, that's, that's been our bread and butter from the beginning. And as we grew and started learning more, we decided that, okay, we have a lot of experience three years into um, having done hundreds of projects in the office build-out space. We decided that we could start servicing home owners and doing home remodels, essentially. And so three years in, we started doing home remodels. Um, but now during the corona times, we really have wanted to pivot and keep our employees safe. So we've been pursuing a lot of paint outs of office and apartments that are vacant and so that's kind of a new division that we have that's kind of blossomed during these oh, times wait can you say that oh i lost you yeah i can say it again where where, where would you like me to start i the last thing i heard was during corona yeah during as of when covid started we had to essentially pivot because we wanted to keep our employees safe and we also wanted to keep homeowners safe and a lot of homeowners had to kind of put a pause on our projects because they didn't want people in the house. And we also didn't want to expose our 
team. And so to keep everyone safe, we pivoted into uh, painting offices and apartments uh, to keep our employees safe, essentially. And so we're doing a lot of painting of vacant units right now. So, uh, you know, any apartment building, when people move out, uh, there's a service that's needed and, and they need a contractor to come in and paint the apartment so that it's ready for t- turnover and for somebody else to move in. And so we've been doing a lot of that lately. That's been a new division that was born uh, during these hard times. And so while we focus on office buildouts and home remodels, we ha- kind of have something new on the horizon, which which is an opportunity for us. But also it's, it's something that we've done to keep our employees safe. And can you give an average number of just a bathroom remodel and like the time frame that it might take? So I've found that there's never really an average just because uh, to bring it back, um, everything is very specific. So for a small bathroom, it could be that somebody just wants general fixtures and, and very basic finishes. And so when it's something like that, it'll be somewhere in the lower thousands but if if depending on fixtures and and the price range of the fixtures that's where the price range will go up um and the difficulty of the project so if if a client wants tile versus just a drywall um based bathroom it'll be a different price and so it's very contingent on the details that each homeowner wants and as you know we all have different tastes and so every project is is different there's no one project that has been the same for there to be an average and so that's why whenever um, a client wants to know pricing we always have to come out see and do a site visit and kind of discuss a project with them know up front what a lot of their finishes um, are going to be or at least what they're thinking of doing Um, and we provide an estimate and so that estimate often changes it can be less depending on what the client wants or it can be more and do you ever work with investors as well? We do not. Like on- we have not worked with investors. Essentially, uh, when we started, I bootstrapped the, the business. So the licensing was a first cost. And then starting the business incorporating was an, another um, expense. And so all those expenses at the beginning were maybe like $100 that I would take for my paycheck as a paralegal to start. And then as we went on... Um, there was there there was a first big purchase I had to make that I had to pay a thousand dollars for tools that we needed for one of our first projects and so I essentially took that out of my paycheck and so everything was very bootstrapped and then luckily as a contracting business a lot of the times you don't need a lot of money to start up because if you're subcontracting the general contractor is usually the one in charge of buying the major supplies for a project so they're going to buy all the drywall that you're going to then install they're going to buy the ceiling materials that you're going to install all you really essentially need are your tools and so that's kind of the investment that I had to make and as we brought in revenue from those first projects which I didn't take any pay from and my dad took minimal pay just to pay his rent um, that's how kind of we grew by just saving and not spending any of that money not taking major payouts and so I didn't take a payout for the first entire year of business, essentially, so that I can put that money back into the business and and get more jobs and be able to afford more tools. And what three pieces of advice could you give listeners on starting their own contracting business? Um, the first one is 
definitely just don't give up. You're going to encounter a lot of obstacles. Like I said, you know, there's going to be people that doubt you. You might be called if you're a woman and, and you're starting a business in a male dominated field, you might be called an assistant. And that's, that's definitely a very, um, for me, it was just a very hard, like psychological obstacle, the, the, the part of people doubting you and, and having to prove them wrong. And so that goes into like the second thing that I feel like I would like to say is that, you know, always be prepared, you know, you can from anyone's doubt if you're prepared and you've done your homework and you know your job and you've read the plans um that's that's the surefire way to to kind of prove them wrong um and so that's kind of been also something that has motivated me though like being doubted and 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 once I was doubted I really wanted to just prove everyone wrong and and then I I was motivated by that (laughs) and so I would say don't give up always be prepared and then um just stay positive honestly like if you start getting into all the all the nitty-gritty and you really start focusing on on the ups and downs of a business because business is very much up and down it's never just good and roses and butterflies and you're always making money there's going to be times where especially in the beginning there was times where we got a contract and we would make a few thousand dollars and I had to live off of that money and make sure that I budgeted it correctly for months because you didn't know when the next project was coming and 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 you don't and during the time I remember also in 2017 2018 the the um, economists were saying oh there's gonna be soon like 2019 just wait for it 2020 just wait for it there's gonna be a recession and a lot of the times the 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 industry that is hit first and and hardest by a recession is construction and so construction and development kind of comes to a halt during a recession I and and so I was really scared about that at first I was like well you know we gotta we gotta not waste these these two thousand dollars that we just made today dad like we have to make this last and so that's very much one of those things that you know business will go through ups and downs and they'll kind of just keep positive make sure that you you're taking care of your mental health because it's hard being a business owner. It's not as glorified as a lot of the times people make it. There's it's, it's, it's not, you have to, I feel like it's not a faint of heart. Thanks for listening to the warrior her podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another fun episode. Go like subscribe rate and leave a review on iTunes until next time. Warriors remember girls really do run the world.